You're listening to A Climate Change. This is Matt Mattern, your host, and I've got Gerard Bishop, co-founder of World Preservation Foundation, and Mark Galvin, who is a producer of Eating Our Way to Extinction. It is a great documentary. Kate Winslet is the narrator of it. I, I watched it uh, recently, and I must say I could listen to her read the phone book from cover to cover. So you got a great narrator. Uh, this film was the 2022 winner of Best Documentary from the Environmental Media, also the International Green Film Award. It's had 10 million viewers and uh, so far and counting. So it's, it's a powerful film. I, uh, I saw it on the way back from COP28. I went to Dubai this year. And uh, I felt it made such a powerful case against modern agriculture and uh, the pollution and the environmental degradation that follows uh, with the runoff causing ocean dead zones uh, and all this pollution pollution that literally flows downstream from creeks and rivers and the like uh, into into our oceans and it's uh, it's compelling in so many ways. So great job, you two, and uh, welcome to the program. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. So uh, tell us, Gerard, uh, what uh, what brought you to the environmental movement, and and then uh, kind of the second part of the question would be then what brought you to uh, making this film? Okay. Um, yeah. Look, I, I worked for government, federal and state government, for many years, and for the last two decades. Uh, I was a principal scientist working for state government. Our job was to map the deforestation in the state of Queensland, uh, which is about three times the state of Texas, pretty big. Um, but what we saw in is Australia is unique. It's a first world country with third world um, deforestation. Uh, we're up there on the WWF um, uh, ranking as one of the deforestation fronts uh, along, along with uh, Brazil. But um, we, I watched 10 square kilometres, that's 2,500 acres of bushland, of forest, being cut down, trashed, bulldozed down every day for grass-fed industries. So um, that was totally sobering. And when I left government, uh, I left because uh, my group uh, had been involved in, a, in a, a greenwash exercise of the Queensland beef industry, and uh, that disgusted me, so I left. And since then, I've been working uh, with Mark and others, um, and, and this eating our way to extinction is, is a more or less a culmination of that, uh, of that work. But... Um, yeah, so the, the, there is a book that goes along with the documentary and uh, the, there's a lot of other work too. I'm actually working on the climate impacts of uh, animal agriculture recently, which is cutting edge, which we may get to later if we have some time. Well, definitely, definitely want to jump into that. Uh, Mark, uh, what, uh, what brought you, A, to the environmental movement and then uh, to producing this movie? Okay, it started, I suppose, <clears throat> in a way through business. My first business was uh, uh, Herbal Medicines Organic. So through that process, I learned about the impacts on the soil, of how we produce crops and so on. And then um, I also got involved in importing kind of proteins and um, 
but one of the relearnings actually was <clears throat> a range of skincare from Australia, actually, um, which was organic food standards. And I learned a lot from the founder of that about the impacts on the environment. So that set me on my path to learning how producing of ingredients and proteins and uh, herbs and any any kind of plant affects the environment. But as I went on that journey, um, I started to learn about the impacts of animal agriculture. Um, and the first big one was, you know, when I started to see the data on the amount of rainforest being lost in in Brazil, particularly to animal agriculture, which is 80% plus. Um, so there, from there we went, and Jerry's a co-founder, uh, we founded World Preservation Foundation, um, writing reports showing the impacts of animal agriculture specifically uh, on the environment. And we also have a tree planting initiative um, uh, at the foundation because it's about education, but also trying to make an impact and uh, restore the soil and bring back the biodiversity that we're losing to livestock. Um, everything we learned from our journey um, with, uh, you know, you, you start to build up a network and uh, Ludo and Otto who are the directors of the, uh, on the project and producers with me um, and Kian, we, you know, all had the passion to do something. And <clears throat> we said with the, with the collective knowledge we have, let's um, go make a documentary and really show, bring in the best scientists in the world, um, credible scientists to actually, um, share that message with the public and show them that you know you can make a huge impact um by changing what you eat so mark and gerard had you done uh, a documentary before was this your first documentary yeah this is the first <laughs> well well done a really great one to get out of the gate uh not yeah. too many people hit it out of the ballpark uh, on the first first swing so uh tell us a little bit about uh, you know, kind of the genesis of the documentary and and how you how you connected to Ludo and Otto and and how they decided to to run with the project and had they done any other uh, environmental films before this? Yes. Yeah, so um, Otto and myself had known each other for many years through you know mutual friends and and Ludo is his brother, obviously, but Otto was. Um, had worked on productions before, um, editing, music, he's, he's really great at that. And Ludo had his own production company. Uh, so Ludo had worked on, you know, documentaries in Madagascar and uh, different parts of Africa. So he'd seen a lot of wildlife um, in his career. And But the one thing he did see was the impact. So he would have been, say, in Madagascar, he'd go back five years later and he'd see a huge impact on, on the environment. So he started to get concerned when he started to see the real impact of um, uh, animal agriculture and how we were taking down our forests and biodiversity to raise livestock. So it was just that coming together of um, talent and, and with the same philosophy that we have to tell this story. I guess the question that comes to mind is, are we doing a better job at slowing down the animal agriculture industry uh, in the deforestation? Uh, and if so, how much and how much more kind of remains to be done? 
Um, I can answer that. The wouldn't it, to answer you no directly. <laughs> we're not doing a very good job at all at preserving our environment, the environment that sustains us. Um, deforestation is uh, is now greater than it ever has been, and we're reaching ecological tipping points. Um, I'll just give you an example of um, uh, ecological tipping point, and, and it's a tragic example. It's the Amazon. Um, the Amazon has uh, a river which flows east, and in the sky above the Amazon is a river which flows west. They call it the river in the sky. The rainforest, the Amazon rainforest, creates its own rain. It 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 gives out the, the moisture for the atmosphere, but it also gives out the particles and the aerosols which create the raindrops. So this rain is incredibly productive. This rain that comes from the river in the sky waters not only the Amazon rainforest, but also all the agriculture in the countries surrounding and the southern, southern end of Brazil. That's why in Brazil, in some areas, they have two and three crops per year, rain-fed, which is amazing. Um, but what's happening there, and scientists have been warning about it for uh, over a decade, is that once we reach a threshold, and they, they're saying it's 20% of the Amazon cut down, once that threshold is reached, we'll reach a tipping point where the whole of the Amazon will revert, revert or most of it will revert to savannah. It won't have the rain to support a rainforest. And that's exactly what's happening now. In the last decade, the Amazon has had its first ever droughts. And this year has been a, and last year has been an extreme drought. They've held uh, El Nino on the top of, of it, which has uh, dried up. Some of, the, some of the rivers that are dried up, they're just uh, water holes now, but uh, the, the temperature of the water has reached 38 degrees. Everything's dying. So this is what we call an ecological tipping point. And these are the, uh, this is the impact that we, humanity, has had on the environment in many areas, but this is a glaring area where uh, uh, one of the systems that supports life on Earth is is in a perilous state, and unless we change, unless we reforest, it it's it's suffering. It may collapse. Well, if that's not a uh, wake up call, I don't know what is. Uh, we need to change our behavior, and we need to do it now. and And it's quite shocking, um, and something that we've taken it for granted forever. That oh, the Amazon rainforest will just be there for us, and. Uh, it may not be, and that it could be wiped out uh, in such short order, uh, we better start taking action and doing it immediately. So you're listening to A Climate Change. This is Matt Matter. I've, I've got Gerard Bishop and Mark Galvin, who created the documentary Eating Our Way to Extinction. We'll be right back in just one minute. Listen to a climate change. This is Matt Matter, and I've got Gerard Bishop and Mark Galvin, who uh, created "Eating Our Way to Extinction," a great documentary. And uh, right before the break, we were talking about the Amazon rainforest. And Mark, uh, maybe you could walk us through a little bit of the 
the cycle of degradation and how that is playing out in real time. So in the documentary, the opening scene is, uh, you know, it's a, it's a thousand year old tree being cut down. We were there with the cameras. You can hear the, you know, the crunching of the, the wood. You can hear all the animals and the birds, you know, nearby screaming and as it hits the ground. Uh, so that just the sound alone is, is pretty horrific. But you, you know, I, I'm not sure the exact number, but the amount of rainforest cleared every day is vast. Uh, so that's just one tree, but that's happening on a mass scale. But when we went there, you've got indigenous people being forced off their own land. Some are, a lot, a lot are actually um, killed by militia. And they then clear the land. They grow uh, intensively soy and other crops. 80% of soy is fed to livestock. So that that crop is sent it's it's used for livestock in brazil but it's all mainly sent to china us and europe so the cycle is we're cutting our rainforests taking the grain um and shipping that grain to feed livestock in europe in the us and china and that source of protein is very inefficient so it's an efficient source of protein in the first place where we could actually take the crop directly and have that protein but on top of that, we're actually destroying our biodiversity. And as we know, they say the rainforest is the lungs of our earth. It's, it's more than that. It's also the water systems, uh, as Jerry mentioned earlier, the river in the sky. We did a, a launch of the documentary down in Brazil. I actually went to the museum there uh, where they show uh, the river in the sky. And we are totally disrupting that whole ecosystem. And then when you look at it, Europe and, and the US in particular are saying to Brazil, you've got to stop this process, you know, stop cutting down your forest. Yet we're taking the grain and feeding it to livestock and eating the beef in, and, the, and the pork and the chicken on our plates. So we need to look at the source of what's happening and we need, we need uh, governmental change in, around the world. Right. It, we, it's, we're sending two different messages. The one message is stop doing it, but the other message is we're buying every bit of soybeans that they're producing and meat. Uh, so it, it incentivizes this. And, and just I, I think it's really important that we create uh, incentives, uh, monetary incentives for people to do the right thing. So maybe uh, Gerard and, and uh, you can speak to that as well as uh, other impacts um, on the ecosystem based upon this deforestation. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Matt. Um, yeah, the, the documentary addresses the question, why are we trashing our planet? And scientists have been looking at that for quite some time now, and it's very clear. Um, they've defined the systems that support life on Earth and uh, their limits and these are called planetary boundaries. And we've now defined that there's nine systems and six of those systems have been overstepped. And by definition, if we overstep one system, uh, like climate or biodiversity loss, we endanger all life on Earth. So <laughs> we're not doing too well. But the scientists have been looking at what's driving this. What is, why is it that we're heavily impacting 
our environment the way we do. I mean, no animal dirties its nest as we do. And the, the, the reason is quite simple. And uh, the, 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 the body of scientific evidence is very strong now. And, and it comes down to this. What we eat, what we put on our plates in front of us every, every meal is the biggest impact on planet Earth. It's not iPhones. It's not lithium mines. It's not plastic pollution. It's what we eat. And that's, that's now acknowledged as the, um, by far the biggest uh, impact on planet Earth. And within that, um, animal agriculture it has the lion's share of impact on the environment. And, and for example, one of, one of the first things we do, what's the, what's the most precious thing that we have about our planet? A lot of people would argue that's land. That's our planet. That's, that's precious. And what we do is we squander that land. The biggest land use by far is animal agriculture. It takes up over 40% of the land. A lot of it's uh, unusable. It's ice and snow and desert. But 40% of the good stuff is given over to animal agriculture. Now, that's been taken from nature. And if we go back to the Amazon example, nature, um, habitat is everything. If, if they are territorial. And, and the reason for that is this. Every animal, native animal, has its patch, and that patch provides for them. It feeds them, it waters them, it, it gives them a home. Now, if you take away that home, the animals die, basically. They don't move to another spot like we do they, and cause immigration issues. They die because animals are territorial. That's their food. That's their sustenance. So if you take away the habitat, you take away their lives. And, and we are in the midst of the sixth great extinction. And that's driven by us taking away animal habitat. And, and it drives all sorts of things. It, it changes the weather cycles, the, the, the water cycles. So now when it rains, it pours. And when it's dry and hot, it's even hotter and drier. So droughts and floods are going to become more common with this because we've trashed the, the environment that moderates this. And uh, it, so, so that moderation, that, that, uh, that life support system that we've relied on for all these years is, is trembling, it's crumbling. And it's all because of what we eat. So um, the, the, the biggest, and, and this is a good news story. This is an incredibly good news story because the biodiversity crisis that we're in right now, 4% of the mammals on planet Earth, that's from mice up to elephants and whales, 4% of the mammals are us and our animals that we keep for food. So, uh, Sorry, 96% is us and the animals we keep for food. 4% is the wildlife. So the wildlife has been squeezed into this tiny corner on our planet. And, and if we extinguish the wildlife, we extinguish our own lives. We depend on them. So we have this great opportunity just by simply changing what we eat. We have this opportunity of releasing 40% of the planet back to nature. And in doing that, It'll, that much habitat will, will reverse the great extinct, the sixth great extinction. It will reverse climate change. It will reverse the water cycle uh, uh, imbalance, the nutrient pollution, many, many other facets that are actually impacting our, uh, our life on Earth right now. Well, I guess the question um, 
you know, it's not really too much of a question, but uh, Mark, we can do this in terms of people have been uh, vegetarian for for millennium. So it isn't something that is beyond human capacity to be a vegetarian or be a vegan, right? Exactly. And all the research is starting to point to the fact that we're actually healthier on a vegan and vegetarian diet, that's for sure. Uh, you look at the latest uh, series on Netflix, uh, The Blue Zones, uh, people that live the longest around the world in uh, Japan, in Loma Linda, in the US, they live longer, healthier lives because they don't consume or they consume very little um, animal products. Uh, so we've got the scientific evidence to show that and even the diet Dietetics Association of the U.S. has said that a vegan diet is a perfectly healthy diet. Um, Canada has changed its food pyramid to reduce the amount, to show a reduction in the amount of meat and dairy anyone should consume and consume more beans, lentils, vegetables, fruits. And the positive is we've got so many great alternatives as well, meat alternatives, dairy alternatives that are being produced and you know, you're going to see cell food coming in, which is basically meat produced um, through cellular agriculture, uh, which has just a drastically uh, less um, car uh, environmental footprint, like 95% less water, um, no antibiotics, no steroids needed. Um, so these other options will be coming. Fermented uh, foods are, are coming a long way. So you'll have fermented dairy, fermented um, meat alternatives, we will have options for people who want an alternative because some people do. So, you know, others just want to go on a clean, whole food, plant-based diet, which is fantastic. And when we look at processed foods anyway, um, there's a whole movement away from highly processed foods. So that journey is beginning for everyone as well that, you know, we need to make a change in diet and it's going to improve our overall health and it's going to improve the health of the planet. For instance, in in Europe, um, it's a study out of Oxford with Marco Springman, and Jerry will probably know the name of that study. It's shown that the cost to the European Union of not adopting their own dietary guidelines for health and the environment is costing between two and three trillion euros every year. They're incredible amounts of money. Yeah, it's it's shocking uh, the the cost of uh, our bad health that comes from poor eating from from the start at the farm level to the pesticides and everything that's put on the the food to the mass uh, food industry that uh, puts three, you know, it's like 2000 artificial ingredients into the U.S. food supply. I think the EU is a little behead, ahead of us and only has 300 artificial ingredients, but still that's not great. Uh, so, you know, we're fed these artificial ingredients and all these diseases come from, from this terrible food, which then has, as you said, Mark, a tremendous healthcare costs downstream. So we could literally probably pay for all free food for everybody. And it would be less than the cost of the healthcare expense and the environmental costs of of polluting so it's it's kind of a no-brainer but 
Stay tuned. Uh, You're listening to A Climate Change. I've got Gerard Bishop and Mark Galvin, producers of Eating Our Way to Extinction, the great documentary. And we'll be right back in just one minute. You're listening to A Climate Change. I've got Gerard Bishop and Mark Galvin of Eating Our Way to Extinction on the program. And uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you before you guys, uh, how did you get Kate Winslet on the on the show to be your narrator? That was a, that was a great coup. Yeah, so Kate just happens to be um, the Ludo and Otto's uh, sister-in-law. Ah, that helps. <laughs> so... And uh, she, you know, Kate's uh, always been um, an advocate for the environment. So it was an easy ask in a sense. And she's got such a fantastic voice and it just sets the scene for the whole documentary. It does indeed. And then you've got a a tremendous amount of uh, co-stars on there, uh, one of which uh, Richard Branson or Sir Richard Branson. How did you uh, how did you get him on the program, the show? Yeah, so Richard, uh, obviously, he has, um, he helped us with the documentary um, in terms of, uh, you know, flights and um, financial help. So that was great. And he's obviously a passionate environmentalist as well. Um, You know, and it's, people say, you know, he's got an airline, but everyone's going to travel. You know, and when you are in a position that Richard is in, he has to run his business, yet he has to uh, also look at the other side, which he does. And by supporting projects like this and uh, offering meat alternatives on his flights, uh, he's just on the first uh, flight from uh, London to New York on biofuel, uh, SAF. Uh, So he's always been trying to move the needle uh, for his own companies, and he does a lot of work. I think that do- people don't see um, in the background, and a lot of you know great initiatives of tree planting, etc. So he's doing his bit, and uh, it was great to have him on board. Yeah, well, he's certainly a powerhouse, and he's had his fingers in so many different things. Uh, when he gets engaged, he gets things done. So it's always wonderful to have somebody like that on your team because somehow he's got that uh, Midas touch of making, making projects move. Um, So yeah, I'm, I'm a big proponent of hydrogen and I'm uh, still hoping that eventually we'll be able to power planes by hydrogen, which would then be a much cleaner method of, of flying, but we're not quite there, but they're moving, moving in that direction. Yeah. Tell us a little bit there. Yeah, I think we'll get there. I think technology is is improving dramatically to clean up the world, but uh, you know those technological fixes regarding cleaner fuels will not necessarily solve the problem of deforestation and and the like because we we still have to tackle that problem. Uh, if we still keep eating all of this meat and all of that we'll be deforesting the planet and we can ruin the planet just from that uh, method alone. Um, 
we were talking earlier uh, on the break about Sudan and um, maybe if you want to comment about that crisis and how how that's all affected or connected to what we're talking about. Yeah, I was just watching the news and there's it was just saying in one camp alone, 14 children are dying of starvation every day. And the UN are saying, you know, they need a lot of help there. And this is going to happen around the world. You know, the, the, the numbers of refugees the UN are predicting by 2030 is incredible. Climate refugees. So we need to address this problem. And, you know, there shouldn't be any starvation in this world. What we're doing is we're not using our resources properly. Instead of using the, pro, the, the grains for creating protein, for creating bread, for creating um, meat alternatives and all the other uh, nutritional value in what we're feeding to livestock to create a pound of beef, a pound of pork and chicken, uh, we, we could feed the whole world probably twice over. Really sad to see children dying when there is no need for it. And it's just uh, us needing to change. Yeah, I think, you know, you look at kind of, you know, morality is, hey, look at what the effect that we're having on other people and clearly the effect that we're having so greedily to make meat versus sharing it with our brothers and sisters in places that are, you know, don't have enough food is is kind of unconscionable. We just um, and we can easily turn a blind eye to it. But the reality is that we are in some way causing these food crises here in the developed world. Exactly. And we can't really blame the public in a sense because there was a recent study showing that of all the environmental media and reports out there, I think it was only, and Jerry probably has the number more accurate than I do, I think it was only 5% mentioned animal agriculture. And it probably didn't go into any great detail. So I believe that if the, the media have a role to play, government have a role to play in letting people know that by changing the food they eat and making that shift to, towards reducing their consumption of meat and dairy will have such a, a great impact for them right now, but especially for their children, their grandchildren. You know, we're really decimating our planet with this industry. And a lot of it is down to the power of these companies, the lobbying power they have, the amount of lobbyists uh, for the meat and dairy industry in Washington and Brussels at UN conferences like COP is just incredible. Uh, it's almost on, you know, verging on criminal. Uh, we are misrepresented, uh, you know, the public uh, taxpayers dollars that go to fund these industries that are actually destroying our, our planet. So we, as the, the, the public of the world, we're giving our taxpayers dollars to our government. They should be making sure that they're not destroying the planet with that. You know, we're funding uh, fishing industries that wouldn't survive without taxpayers' money. They're not, they're not viable businesses. They're only held up by taxpayer dollars. And yet they're destroying the oceans. You know, mass, you know, fishing nets go on for kilometers that are, are dragged along the seafloor, destroying our corals, our biodiversity in the sea. You know, it's incredible what we're doing. Well, it is when you look at it systemically, the the ads from uh, these companies, the meat, dairy, oil industry and the like uh, feed the media. 
And so the media is less likely to report stories about those types of things because they don't want to upset their advertisers. And, uh, and then those same industries are funneling money to the politicians so that they're funding those programs because they have the most money. I mean, who, you know, the, the, the uh, kids dying of starvation in Sudan do not have lobbyists. They don't have anybody generating ads on their behalf. Uh, in the fancy publications all over the world. So they're not, their voices are not going to be heard the same way as, as the richest companies in the world. So what's, uh, what's your thought as to how this plays out going forward and what can we do to kind of best shake this system up? Look, we're at a critical juncture. We're at a point now where we can decide the future of our planet it's it's been called the Anthropocene. In other words, the the major geological forces on the planet are taking a back seat to the force of humans on the planet. And we're at a point now where we can decide. We can decide the future of our planet. And and largely that will depend on what's on our plate. We're talking about Richard Branson before, but the the whole airline industry emissions are, are small compared with food. And, and I might share with you a, an example of um, how our thinking has led us astray. Um, many people think that uh, factory farming is awful, which it is, and they advocate for grass-fed and for free range. Um, but <laughs> grass-fed has actually been the most destructive force on our planet. Grazing animals... Uh, we, we, half of the world's grazing land, 37% of the planet is grazing. Half of that was forest. So we've taken out that forest. Uh, another 3% is uh, crops for livestock. We've taken out that forest. Um, we have reached a point where these systems are creaking and breaking, as we, said, as we discussed before. But what does that give us? 37% of the planet, at the grazing lands, the grass-fed lands gives us about five or six percent of our protein. Now, that is probably the most destructful, destructive in terms of deforestation and emissions and wasteful things that we do. And, it, and it's way more than any air travel. So um, this is a message of hope. It's a big message of hope. If, if you look at how we've used... If, if you think about this world, if each one of us who's listening to this thinks about this world as our island, now this island has supported our families, our growing families for a long time, but we've, we've trashed the forests, we've muddied, we've dirtied the river with, with nutrients, with, with nitrogen pollution, we're killing off the ocean with dead zones, we've raised the temperature so that um, it's affecting everything uh, on life that we do. The water cycles are broken. And and, there, and our science team, we might have a, an uncle or a, or a nephew who knows these things, and we get them in to advise us on how to run our island. And those that science team is telling us, here is one big thing which is most destructive on your island, and that is animal agriculture. So we get the family together and we talk about, okay, what can we do to have a future on this island? And, and um, 
one of the recommendations, a strong recommendation by the, from the health, from the environment, from the climate side is uh, go plant-based. Okay, now this is from the science. So you, you take that to the family group and the family thinks about it, decides, no, 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 we've all, we traditionally always eat meat. And, uh, and then you see the scientists saying, no, well, we, we, we trash our island. We lose our island if we keep going that way. If we change, we will have abundance. We'll be able to let the wildlife come back, the forests come back, and we will use much smaller area of our island. So that's the decision point where we are right now. That's where we are, and we've got to inform our family. And project programs like yours, Matt, are brilliant in educating people. We need to do that. We've been, we've been the victims of uh, advertising and lobbying for far too long. It's now time to look at the science, as Eating Away to Extinction does, and to, and to look hard, have, have a hard look at what's killing our planet and what's killing us and make those hard decisions. And we can do it and we can have a bright future if we do. Well, let's, uh, let's do that. Let's uh, decide what's on our plate. We can make this choice and change the planet in the process for the better. So you're listening to A Climate Change. This is Matt Battern. I've got Gerard Bishop and Mark Galvin on the program. We'll be back in just one minute to discuss eating our way to extinction. You're listening to A Climate Change, and I've got Gerard Bishop and Mark Alvin from uh, Eating Our Way to Extinction on the program. And uh, Gerard and Mark, uh, as we talk about the last segment, uh, really want to drill down on what we can do going forward and giving our audience some ideas about uh, making changes themselves, as well as... um, you know, supporting friends and family along the way, as well as politicians. Uh, But kind of uh, circling back to the science before we uh, do that, um, Gerard, maybe you can talk to us about the tremendous amount of methane emissions and other emissions that come from this uh, gigantic animal agricultural industry around the the world. Yeah, thanks, Matt. the, the science around um, emissions from agriculture is now extraordinary. Um, we've only been in the business of measuring emissions for three or four decades, and we've had these conventions uh, back when it all started that have skewed our thinking. We thought it originally it was totally to do with fossil fuels. Well, now, uh, and, and so what we did is we counted fossil fuels quite differently to how we count emissions from, say, deforestation. But now we're looking at them equally. Um, we find a, a totally different story. We actually find that emissions from deforestation have been twice the amount of fossil fuels. So um, that's one thing. We're also learning that um, when we burn fossil fuels, we release carbon dioxide, which warms the planet. We also release Uh, aerosols like sulfur dioxide that cool the planet. Um, You might have heard of global dimming, the sulfur dioxide and others have caused that. So that cooling effect from the global dimming 
has actually balanced a lot of the warming effect from the carbon dioxide released. So up until now, fossil fuels have only caused the current global warming that we're experienced, fossil fuels have only caused about or less than 20% of that warming. Now, I'll let that sink in, but that's gobsmacking. And, and the thing that's caused half the global warming to date is methane, methane. And we know the biggest source of methane is animals and their dung, followed by coal mining and gas fracking. So um, they say methane, is natural gas, is a transition fuel. It's a very nasty fuel because the leakages from that and and mostly, well, mostly comes from animal agriculture, but that methane has caused half the global warming we are experiencing today. When you add that to the uh, carbon dioxide released by deforestation, which does not release any cooling aerosols or, or not as much, uh, we find that animal agriculture has actually caused the bulk of global warming. Now, this is new research. It's being it's under peer review right now. Some of it, like the cooling from aerosols, is well known, um, but but the other deforestation is uh, uh, in peer review right now. But when you when you measure all of that up, you find that um, we've been we've got no idea what's really causing. Uh, global warming. And the fact that the, the, the interesting thing is that um, animal agriculture has, has caused the deforestation. It can also, we can, it's reversible. Fossil fuels are a bit hard to stuff back into the ground, but forests are reversible. We can grow new forests and nature will do a lot of the heavy lifting for us as long as we stop two things, burning, which we do every year, they, in, 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 the, in the tropics, they call them woody weeds that we burn off and the long grass to burn off to, to create new, put, new uh, green pick for the animals. But if we, we burn off to, to stop the forest and we also uh, put animals on the land and that stops the forest. Sheep and goats particularly are incredibly efficient. You look at Scotland. They're incredibly efficient at killing off any, any regrowth. So you pull them off the land, you stop burning, and nature will take over. Nature will regrow. You just look at Chernobyl. So um, this is the good news story. This is the part of the thing. It, the, the, the global warming caused by animal agriculture is way more than we thought, but it's also the solution. Right. Well, that is that is the good news. We, we can make a choice to change this process. It is gobsmacking as you said to have 50 percent of the global warming come from methane emissions uh, a lot of which come from animal agriculture um you know another point that you made about uh, the animals uh the grass-fed and the free-range stuff causing so much in the way of problems i i recall seeing in arizona uh, a chart of what arizona used to look like before there was um, animal agriculture there and cows being raised for food. And there were rivers running all over Arizona, which is kind of a deserted type area. You think of it now, at least in the U.S. Uh, and now all the, a lot of those rivers dried up because the animals there ate all the grass, the natural grass, and uh, dried up the rivers. So like if, you, if we would have taken, you know, if we had not, 
put animals where they shouldn't have been, um, Arizona would be like a different state, which is kind of mind boggling that, that rivers are literally dry up because, uh, animals chew, you know, chew up the grassland. Mm. Yeah, it's incredible. I guess the the next piece I'd kind of like to pivot to, uh, Mark, maybe you can talk about is where people can tune in to, you know, uh, see the movie and also what they maybe want, what you would say to do next. What are your kind of action steps to somebody who's out there listening to this? Yeah, thank you, Matt. Um, yeah, we're, the documentary is available on Amazon Prime. Uh, we're also available, available on YouTube. Um, uh, we've, tra- we've narrated in up to 16 languages plus, and there's subtitles for other languages. So we've tried to cover as many languages globally as possible. Um, we just released um, Hindi for India with Maneka Gandhi. Um, so we've got some great people narrating around the world. Um, you can also go to our website, eatingourwaytoextinction.com, and you there you we have you can sign up to do a screening, and we'll give you access to files where you can you know show at a university, at your local community center, or wherever you need to, even in your home. Um, and there's also posters and materials you can use to promote the documentary. So we've got a kind of a screening pack on there. So I just you know, ask anyone that wants to help us promote it on social media, share the link from our YouTube channel for all those different languages. If you've got friends who are in different countries around the world, we've probably covered most of those languages as well. Uh, So it'd be great if everyone can share the documentary. And as I said, uh, go to the website. There's lots of great materials on there. There's Q&As, there's Mythbusters. You can learn quite a lot on the documentary. Well, I, I would, uh, yeah, greatly encourage people to watch the documentary uh, as it was one of the best ones that I've seen produced in, in terms of not only just production quality and, and uh, an interesting story, but uh, the science behind it. You had tremendous scientists throughout the program that are very persuasive, telling uh, a story that is important and needs to be told. And as you said, uh, our media is not telling this story for the most part, they're not giving us this really on a daily basis. Quite frankly, the red lights should be flashing. We should be hearing about the effects of animal agriculture every day in the news. This is this is a extraordinarily we're talking about the apocalypse coming because of animal agriculture. Wake up. Come on. This is time. It's, uh, you know, this is important enough. It actually is important, more important than celebrity news. Shouldn't we cover this story more than we cover, uh, you know, TMZ? I mean, come on. It deserves its own channel, for God's sake. Um, it does. That, that is an idea we have. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Well, thank you, Mark and, and Gerard, for being on the program. It was great talking with you. Everybody watch Eating Our Way to Extinction. Great documentary with uh, Kate Winslet. It's his narrator. Um, and uh, stay tuned. Uh, come in. You know, Stay tuned next week. We're going to have some great guests on the program. Check out uh, climatechange.com or tune in to Apple, Spotify, iHeart and uh, look at uh, any of our older episodes on there as well. So thanks again, Mark and Gerard, for being on the show.